Luke 14, 12 through 14. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the poor, I'm sorry, then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Now, I just brought this scripture out for a moment to show you that in the scripture, everything is nothing but formula. Okay? It's nothing but a formula. Most of you don't, maybe you don't really think about this, but everything in your life is based on a formula. If you're wearing a set of eyeglasses, those eyeglasses were designed based on the formula, the chair that you're sitting in, of a house or apartment that you are living in. It was built, built based on mathematic formulas, the car that you are driving. Everything is a formula. When it comes to them solving problems, it's based on a formula. If they want to build a rocket ship, it has to be based on a formula, mathematics. When it, when it comes to getting the planet, getting the rocket outside the planet and then back in, it's all based on formula. What is that uh, movie with the uh, four, the true story about the four black ladies that helped us get into outer space? Hidden figures. And, and, you know, those ladies, they knew how to think high-level formulas of mathematics. It was a formula to get that rocket ship out and back in, and those four ladies created the formula. Everything is a formula. Well, the, 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 the problem, too, is, is, that, is that when it comes to eternity, everything is a formula. And the whole reward system is based on formulas. And you've got to find the formulas. For example, right here, think about this. He says, now, when you throw a party or a fellowship or a dinner, don't invite the people that are your friends. Don't invite your relatives. Now, it's not saying you can't. He's saying that if you want to focus on a paycheck from heaven, invite the folk that are raggedy and invite the folk that can't bring a dish and invite the folk that can't bring, can't repay you. Now, my wife and I typically do that at Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, we typically will look across the congregation and we'll be at home. Do we invite this person? Do we invite this person? Do we not invite this person? And we typically try to invite people on Thanksgiving that normally would not be able to go to a place for Thanksgiving. Okay, and when I was doing it, I was just doing it because I just want people to feel connected. But Jesus said, if you want to get a reward from heaven, he said, this is what you do. So I just, what I'm saying is, is that I just brought that out to let you know that there is a whole formula in the Bible for you to find out about, apply it to your life, so that when you stand before Jesus, your reward ends up being great versus small. Okay, now you got to remember, your reward is going, never mind, let me just go ahead and read this. Revelations 22. You know what, let me just say this. I'm going to read this little statement I have. Repayment, he said, I will repay you. At the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Repayment is proof that heaven is not an equal society. I want you all to remember, that I'm going to, See, because what's going on right now is every, all the Christians just living their life, and they think that when we go to the other side, well, it's just equal. No, it's not. It is very unequal. Because this is just one out of hundreds of scriptures that say what you do will determine how you live forever. It just told you that. Now, watch this. If you never do that one scripture, and not that you haven't sinned, it's just that you haven't built up a huge reward system. Again, you accepting Jesus Christ is what gets you to heaven. How you live your life for Jesus Christ will determine how you live in heaven forever. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't say all the more mansions. You can go up there and live in a garage if you want to. Okay? 
So there are different sizes of reward, and in Greek, reward means paycheck. And how many know? You work first, then you get a paycheck. I know some of you are crazy enough. You hadn't even started on the job yet. Uh, can I get an advance? No, you ain't even done nothing yet. We don't even know if you're crazy. You haven't even gone through the probationary stage. But how many know when you start a new job, it's going to be two to four weeks before you get paid? Now, for some of you that came from charismatic circles, I know they're not going to like this. For some of you that came from charismatic circles, that's the reason why you have all of these charismatic preachers talking about if you do this, the Lord is going to reward you on this side. If you do this, he's going to reward you on this side. If you sow the seed, it's going to be a hundredfold on this side. The reason why you haven't seen that is because that's not always true. Because remember what the Bible says? We are God's workers. So, so you work and then you get paid for eternity. You don't always get paid while you're still working. Come on, man. And really, our work here, when you go to heaven, that's your retirement fund. Y'all see what I'm saying? So what happens is that the preachers are building up this thing where every time I sow a little seed, I'm looking in the mailbox for $100. Every time I sow $100, I'm looking for $1,000. And so it's all based on here and now, here and now, here and now. So, and so, that's, so that's why some people, they leave the church. Well, I've been tithing, and I'm not out of debt yet. Well, part of it is because of your crazy spending. You, you know, so we don't want to talk about that one right now. But, 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 they, but we haven't been teaching the people that there are going to be some things you get a reward for on this side, but most of it is on the other side. So you won't see it on this side. So you should be doing things based on the other side, not this side. Oh, man. Revelations 22, 12 through 13. The last statement of Jesus in the Bible. I mean, you know, the last statement is usually really important. It's interesting. The last statement in the Old Testament is, I will, uh, the Lord will come and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. It's the last scripture of the Old Testament. The last statement that Jesus made here in the Bible, the last one that's mentioned is, look, I am coming soon, bringing my paycheck with me to repay all people according to their deeds, not their beliefs. I got to address this. See, some of y'all come from the charismatic circles. In charismatic circles, they always tell you it's not about works. It's not about works. It's not about works. It's not about works. No, it's not about works when you get saved, but because you can't get saved by works. You get saved by grace. But after you get saved, it's all about works. Had I been known that, I would have been working my tail off. But all I heard was, it's not about works. It's not about works. Just live holy. It's not about works. It's not about works. If they keep telling you it's not about works, guess what you're going to do? Stop working. It's common sense, right? <clears throat> he said, I'm bringing my paycheck with me to repay all people according to their deeds, not their beliefs. Their deeds, not their assumptions. Their deeds, not their theories. Because I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. Okay? So, hmm. I'm sorry. The six events of your forever life. You can take a picture of it. I'll put all six first. These are the six events for your forever life. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you don't live holy, I would suggest you live holy now. I would suggest you get rid of every carnal thing, every mundane thing, 
Anything that does not exist in heaven, I will suggest you get it out of your life. This is not the time to have step. All right. Y'all ready? I'll leave it up there. I'll put it back up there at the end. <laughs> the six events of your forever life. First one is life. Second one is death. The third one is your destination after death. The fourth one is the resurrection of your body. Fifth one is the repayment or the paycheck for how you lived your life. I want you to imagine, y'all. How many know? How many know? Let them, let them mess your paycheck up and you did a good job. You ready to burn the whole building down to the ground. If you, if, you, if you own a flower company and you did the wedding and you know these flowers were banging, this looked like something straight from heaven and that half paid you, what are you ready to do? You know what? See them flowers? Go set them all on fire. Just go set them all on fire right now. You know, you, you're, you're a caterer and you cater uh, uh, a wedding. And while the people are eating, you know, you told them, okay, I just I need my pay. And, and so it was supposed to be $1,000 and they give you 200 how I many you know? See, if you're really crazy, like some people I know, they just go right in the wedding and just start turning the food all over. It's just like that. Ain't nobody going to eat. I'm not eating. Y'all not eating either. How many sisters? Y'all know, y'all know some folk like that. It's a couple of them in the room right now. They're like, yeah, I know somebody just like that. <laughs> now, they showed up. had this clip on Facebook of some lady who didn't get her EBT card loaded. And she just went through the whole store, just raw, just pulling all the food down. If I can't eat, ain't nobody going to eat. She, just like, are you crazy? That's what happens when you entitle people too long. You know, when you give something to someone free too long, they actually believe that it's supposed to be that way. Now, I'm going to put the side note in here. Now, I personally like this remedy. Because Donald Trump came up with another plan. They're not going to like it, though. He came up with a plan where if you can't eat, we'll just start mailing you food. They don't like that. See, this is how I think. You know, trust me, most of us, if not all of us, have been there one time in our life. So I'm not discounting that. Everybody needs help. There's going to be a time in your life you're going to need help from several people. We're not discounting the EBT program. We're talking about mentality. But how many of you know it's a term called beggars can't be choosy? So if you don't have nothing to eat, uh, as the scripture says, then eat what's set before you. Because this is about survival. But when you give people the money, they go up in the grocery store buying steaks and lobster. Uh, if you ain't got nothing to eat, this is rice and bean time and bread, you know, and macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and jelly. This ain't steak and lobster and... So I don't have a problem with that idea. We're going to find out how many people in your household and then we're going to mail you the food. And, and, and he, his remedy was, not all of it. He said, we're still going to give you money you can spend on your own, but we're going to cut that in half so you don't go out there and just do stupid stuff. You know, and of course, he's the devil for that too. So it's just, no matter what the man does, it's the devil. So whatever, I'm going to just leave that alone. I decided I'm going to leave that alone. Too many people were getting mad at me. Anyway, okay. I want to say something so bad, but I, I just can't do it, Jesus. I want to say something so bad. You can feel it. I'm just, y'all, there comes a time. I mean, I'm, when I tell you, when I tell you the dream that the Lord gave that girl a couple of weeks ago delivered me, I was going in the wrong direction. I was starting to get, I'm, you know, you know, I, I told a preacher yesterday. Let me tell you something about people. I was talking to this pastor that is uh, with us that I'm mentoring. And, and he was like, man, I just started the church. He said exactly what you said. He said, and already got mad. He said, I'm already full of anxiety. And he said, his wife said, 
we just opened the church. He said, man, these people are crazy. I said, yeah, I told you. I said, I want you to, I said, I want you to realize something. About, now, I'm not talking about y'all. <laughs> but honestly, when one person is dealing with multiple personalities and always with their problems, it'll drive you crazy. You know? And, and I told him, I want you to, this is, this is a, whether you're a pastor, a business leader, a manager over people, whatever it is, this is a leadership principle that you must always know about people. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in the entire world. How many know when God says you are meek, you're meek? Says he was the meekest man in the entire planet. And the meekest man and the most humble man in the entire planet, he got so frustrated with the people, he had just come down from the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and he got so frustrated that what God gave him, he just threw it on the ground and broke him. And had to go back up the mountain again and get another set of the Ten Commandments. Okay? And then, y'all remember the scene in the Old Testament where the people frustrated God and Moses so bad that neither one of them wanted to take ownership. God said, your people. And then Moses said, no, those your people. <laughs> neither one of them wanted to take ownership of the people. That's like, I don't want to deal with none of these fools. Then there was another scene in the Old Testament where God told, it's funny to read how God lost it. The first thing he said with Moses was, I don't even want to hear it. The first thing he said is, because he knew he was wrong, which is weird, isn't it? He said, God told Moses, yeah, I don't even want to hear it. He said, I'm getting ready to kill all three million people and start a whole nother nation with you. And Moses was like, you can't do that, Lord, because if you do that, then all of the heathens are going to talk about what type of God you are. And the Bible says God repented of the thing that he was going to do. That drove, now that tells you something too. How many of you believe that if Moses is meek, how many of you know that God, he can operate in meekness more than anybody else? Now I want you to understand the leadership principle where people can be so raggedy that it breaks God. They can be so raggedy that he loses it and says, I'm willing to kill three million people because this is just how raggedy these people are. And then you know the last one, which is, and there's plenty of other ones, where the people were so raggedy, God told Moses the second time, he said, speak to the rock and the water will come out to feed their raggedy behinds. That's what God kept saying about the people, that they were raggedy. And so Moses was so angry at the people and their complaining, it says that instead of speaking to the rock, he hit the rock in anger. And when he did that, the Lord said, because of that, you cannot enter the promised land. I'm not making nobody make me miss out on heaven, promised land, nothing. I'll be right up there. You Remember that scene in Martin? Welcome to Hoochie Burger. Be sitting right up there with a hat on. Didn't you use that? Yeah, key is used to. <laughs> letting them people. People will drive you crazy, folk. They will drive you crazy. I don't even know how I got on this. Okay, but I'm just letting you know that's a leadership principle to help you understand that people can be raggedy, and if you're not careful, they will make you raggedy. So the dream that the Lord gave the young lady was the Lord sent it to me. No matter what you do, people are going to do what they want to do. Don't you lose it because you're trying to make raggedy people be right. Because there are going to be some people. That are, and the wording he used was kind of like from the Matrix. See, when she said, we're all here to do what we're going to do. And there's some people. Remember what the scripture says? Let those who are going to be holy be holy still. What's the other one? I'll just put it in there. Let those be raggedy. Let them be raggedy still. And some people, they just choose to be raggedy. And when they stand before the Lord, y'all, I don't know, whatever. So, the six events of your forever life. (laughs) 
let's look at it, and I'll, I'll go through these quickly. I just have one scripture for each one. And the first one is your life, you being born, Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you're created in the image of God for a life of purpose. God has a purpose for you and a job to do. He created the male and female. He did not create them male and male. He did not create them female and female. He didn't create them human and animal. You can marry a tree. And, I mean, it's just going on and on and on and on. Uh, I, it's amazing to see how for 6,000 years we all identified with male and female. And now, after 6,000 years of human history, that now changes. And now, you come out the womb and you just whatever you want to call yourself. You know, and people are, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm a male, but I decided I want to. And see, something to tell you something when you got to take hormones to do it. I, 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 this, is, this is called brokenness of soul. That's all that is. And when you are broken, you don't even see who you really are because you're broken. You can't see who you really are because you're broken. You can't tell what the glass looked like when it shattered all over the place. It's not until you put it together that you can see what it was supposed to be. Wholeness only comes through Jesus Christ. You, wait a minute, whether you are a he or a she, you can't even find out who you really are because the Bible says that your life is fake until you enter into Jesus Christ. So you can't even begin to find out who you really are until you get born again. So, of course, people in the darkness would do crazy stuff like that. And he and she now people are identifying with trees and I'm a tree and I'm a dog and I'm a they and 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 three and four people getting married together and trying to make it legal for a 60 year old man to be with a five year old child. And can I marry my puppy? And and uh, I want the tree at my altar. And this is how deep it gets when you're crazy. And, and, and you know, this is this, this, this deep part. 99% of America believes that. They just won't say anything because the small majority are operating like a pack of wolves. They just speak really loud. And the media is on their team. So it gives you the impression that the whole world is thinking this way when actually the whole world realizes this is the dumbest thing that we have ever seen in our entire lives. Well, now, if I don't call a woman a they on my job, I can get sued. You're going to have to sue me then because I'm just not, okay? Like I said, if you're uncomfortable with people like that, wave at them. If you a she, I'm not calling you a he. If you a he, I'm not calling you a she. And if you a he, she, I'm not calling, whatever you are, I'm not calling you a they. You know, well, I could get in trouble at work. Wave at them then. Or be accused of not speaking. You antisocial. No, I'm just keeping my mouth closed because my grandmama taught me if I don't have nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. That's what I'm doing. So that's the first event is your life. You're born. Second event is your death. Hebrews 927. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. So death is simply you departing from your physical body, okay? It's nothing but you transitioning from one place to another. I have to be careful because when Christians die, I don't get moved by it. I just don't. I have too much revelation about what death is. It's the reason why the Bible says we don't sorrow as others that don't have hope. I have a revelation about what actually happened. When you actually know what happens at the point of death for a Christian, 
I mean, I just can't, I can't cry. I mean, I see people and they break down. I just go to another room. I'm just sitting there like, I can't connect emotionally. Now, I can understand if a person's spouse die, you know, regardless of how much the person is going on to the other side, the husband or the wife is now sad because they missed out their, I'm not talking about that. You can miss your child. I'm not talking about being anti-emotional. I'm just saying I think differently than that. Uh, I still have not cried a tear over my mother passing to this day. It's never even been a temptation because I know where she went. I mean, I know where she is, and because I studied heaven so much, I know that if you paid, gave her a billion dollars, she'd laugh at you and throw the money in your face and say, uh, no, you're going to have to cry on because I'm staying up here. Okay? But, but, but remember, so even what we call a heart attack sometimes is just simply the body stopped working. You are not your body. Like I said Wednesday, too many people make the mistake of thinking their body is you. You are not your body. Okay? If I die at this exact second, my body will fall, but I won't. If you could see both realms, you'd see the body. You know, it's, like, it's like wearing a, this is a terrible example, but this thing is lifeless until you put a hand in it. You know, little puppets. Okay? So, I know this is kind of terrible. My wife would be laughing at me if she was here right now. But, you know, this is a puppet and puppet. The thing, so it's not the thing on the outside that has life. It's the thing on the inside. Okay? So, you're doing this, doing this, but the moment you take the hand out of what you see, it just drops. Why? Because it wasn't this. It was what was in it. So, and that's why when you go to a funeral, you see the body lying in the casket and it looks so lifeless because it was never the body. The body was simply the clothing or the suit to access this planet. Okay, and so, so that's the second event in your life is death. And it's not some tumultuous experience. It's just simply, all right, you transition now. See, we, we're looking at it wrong. Your earth suit is just simply the suit needed to access this realm. That's why Jesus couldn't come to this realm without an earth body. He had to have a body. Otherwise, just kill him in the spirit and then resurrect him from the spirit. Y'all know what I'm saying? No. In order to come here where the mess up was, in order to hit this realm, he had to be given a body. He had to be given a special suit. Your body is nothing but a suit to exist in this realm. That suit dies, law says you must come out of this realm because you can only enter this realm with this type of suit. That's why when you go to heaven, the body says you get a different suit called a glorified body. Because in order to access the heavenly realm, you got to have a special suit there. In order to go to outer space, you got to have an astronaut suit. In order to go in the ocean, you got to have a diver suit. In order to come some places, you got to have a business suit. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Go swimming, you got to have a swimsuit. I can keep on going with this. Okay? So that's death. That's the second event. Third event is... When your body stops working, you instantly go to one of two destinations. So the third event in your life is your destination, your eternal one. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So when you die, you don't just hang around your body. There is no such thing as a lost spirit or soul hanging around the house. There are only two destinations. You hear people say that, you know, you know, you know, get into a cult, you know, you know, departed spirits and the, and the souls are hanging around. No, I'm not. OK, it's either your imagination. You've been watching too many scary movies or it is a demon called a familiar spirit. It is a spirit that mimics what you are familiar with. So if you believe in ghosts, an unclean spirit will pretend like he is a ghost to confirm your reality about ghosts. If you believe that your grandmama's spirit is still in the closet and comes out every once in a while to talk to you, well, that's not true, okay? 
though, but an unclean spirit will ride that false reality to keep you deceived in that area. And watch this. He will say to you the same things that your grandmother said. That's why in the Bible they're called familiar spirits. They are familiar. When you see these shows, they are familiar with everything you do. When you see these shows, I haven't seen them in a while. Christians probably prayed them off. Where you had this person, it used to be on talk shows, you had this person that supposedly talks to the dead and have an audience out there. And, and people are like, oh, my God. And what does the person say? You know, what is your name? Well, my name is Andrew. All right, Andrew, hold on just a second. Oh, here it is. Something is coming. I'm getting a message. I'm getting a message. Andrew, um, um, your dead uncle is speaking to me now from the other side. And uh, uh, he wanted to let you know that he was okay. And, uh, and as a sign that he wanted to, uh, you to know um, that he sees that you still have that gold necklace that he bought you uh, 30 years ago. And the person, oh, it's my dad, uncle. You remember you sent me in my closet? No. That's called high-level deception. It's called familiar spirits. Their job is to deceive you into thinking this stuff is true. Because the degree that you believe that this stuff is true will be the degree that you believe the Bible is not. So if you believe the Bible, if the Bible says this stuff is evil, but then you got this person on stage telling you secret information, so how can it be evil? Or it must be that the Bible is not true. Y'all see what I'm saying? When actually it's the familiar spirit, that person on the stage is possessed. You can't see the spiritual realm. There are unclean spirits in the audience sitting next to the individual. Yeah, see this person right here? Yeah, their name is Andrew. And they got an uncle, and this is what his name was. Matter of fact, we're the ones who killed his uncle. And, and so his uncle gave him this. So they feed the person information, and that's why they say, that's why I would say, oh, I'm hearing it now. And they just repeat what they hear. And it is accurate. But it's the accuracy coming from a familiar spirit, a spirit that was familiar with you. So when you die, you go to one of two places, up or down, the light or the darkness, heaven or hell. There is no in-between. There is no purgatory, special holding places so we can, you know, pray you out of your foolishness. No, none of that. It's only two destinations. The first event is your life. Second one is your death. The third one is your eternal destination. Y'all with me? You need to be able to share this with people. The fourth event is resurrection of your bodies that were left in earth. This confuses a lot of people because the things of heaven are mysterious, but I think after today you're going to get it based on this scripture. Because the Bible says that you, 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 your body drops. It stays here in the planet, but then you go straight to heaven, but then it says you got to come back and get that body. It says that body is going to be resurrected. Here's why. It is because your body itself is earth. It's actually a seed. So, so when you leave your body, it drops into the ground as a seed, and every seed grows up to be something different. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. Someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? And what kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. <laughs> That's Jesus for you. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. So when you like, for example, when you plant a watermelon seed, it's just a seed. After you plant it, it becomes something else. Y'all got me? It says a different plant grows from each kind of seed. In the same way, there are different kinds of flesh, 
one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead bodies. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as they are natural bodies, they are also spiritual bodies. Y'all see that principle? I don't know what these guys are preaching, y'all. That just made things so clear. In other words, your body, the physical house, that suit is also a seed. So when you die, that seed goes into the ground or into the ocean. That's why the Bible said death, hell, and the grave all gave up the bodies. Because some people die in the sea. Some, when, it says death, when it says death and the sea, talking about the dead bodies that died at sea, death means the dead bodies that died on land. And then it said hell is talking about the spirits that are in hell. Okay, so everybody gets resurrected fully back. So, but for us that die as Christians, when you die as a Christian, you go straight to heaven, but your body gets planted in the earth so that after a time it can be resurrected into something else. I mean, think about it. When you sow an apple seed, you would never be able to tell that that's what the seed would look like when the thing was, when the thing was harvested. Notice that every harvest is much more glorious than the seed. You sow a seed for a, 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 a flower, that, and when the thing grows up, it becomes some beautiful thing. When you sow a seed for an orange, I mean, it grows into a beautiful, colorful, bright thing. So what? The, so the seed always looks different than the fruit. The seed always, always looks different than the harvest. So we're saying that your body is going to be a seed that's going to be planted in the ground, but we're going to resurrect it and it's going to become a glorified body. Y'all got that? That's good, isn't it? That cleared up a whole bunch of stuff some of y'all have been trying to figure out for years. Well, I mean, you're like, well, okay, if I die, why is my body left here and I got to come back and get it later? It's because your body is a seed. It has to be planted in the earth, then resurrected into a glorified body. <laughs> How many of y'all waiting on that glorified body? Okay, only way to understand it is, Paul said, when you get to heaven, you get a body like Jesus. What? And then Paul said, I'm sorry, Jesus said, when you go to heaven, he says, you get a body like the angels. So that should tell you something that Jesus' body and the angel's body are very similar. This also tells you what you will have the ability to do forever. You need to go do a whole Bible study and everything that Jesus could do while he was on earth and after he raised from the dead and everything an angel could do from Genesis to Revelation, you will have the ability to do the same thing. Otherwise, you don't get a body like them. If I got a Corvette and he got a Corvette, uh, we should both be able to, uh, y'all know what I'm saying? The Corvettes are the same. It's not different. They both can rev. They don't sound the same. They can do the same thing. If my Corvette can do 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds, his Corvette should be able to do 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds, not 7. Otherwise, it ain't the same. It's only the same if it's the same. So, so I mean, I want you to think about it. The body that you live in, right? Do you, the Bible says that, what is that word that it used? There's a term that it uses for your body, and, and the term, the definition of this, of this word 
that the Bible uses for your body, it means to be completely embarrassed and utterly disgusting. So compared to your glorified body, your body right now is completely embarrassing and completely disgusting. So ladies, the most handsome man that you've ever seen, and men, the, mo the most beautiful woman that you've ever seen, God says, yes, that individual, their body is completely embarrassing and disgusting compared to the simplest glorified body. I need one of them in my life, don't you? I want one of them now. Okay, so everything is, that's, that's the fourth event. Fifth event is repayment. Revelation 20, 11 through 12. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, not what they believed, what they had done, not what their grandmama told them, what they had done as recorded in the books. The most sobering revelation that I got was when I realized that according to scripture, Everything that I say, everything that I do, every place that I go and every decision that I make is written down and recorded in a book to be reread to me and then judged. And it fits into a formula for a reward that became very, very sobering for me. And then the Lord began to give me visions of showing me instances where I could choose to obey or not to obey. When I obeyed, he then showed me the angel standing there writing down my decision. Why do you think the Bible says you're going to give an account for every idle word that is spoken? That word idle means unemployed. It means every word that comes out of your mouth that God would never speak or he would never use, you will be judged for that. Now, you can either accept who God is or you can make him to be what you want him to be. Like I said Sunday, you can't even make the people on planet Earth be what you want them to be. Some of us can't get our spouses to be what we need them to be. I'm going to just look straight ahead. <laughs> you can't get your supervisor to do what you want. You can't get your children to obey. And you somehow going to change God's mind. See the arrogance in that? Andrew, Andrew Murray said in the book of Humility, he said, you can't get yourself to change. Why are you upset? Because somebody else won't change. That's powerful, isn't it? We get mad because somebody else hasn't done, you haven't done nothing. I got to look at my imaginary congregation on the back wall in case people are mad at me in the audience right now. They mad too. They just staring at me the same way y'all are. They, they're not having it today. <laughs> okay. So repayment, 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Watch this, 1 Timothy 5, 24 through 25. The sins of some men are quite evident on this side, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins will follow after. Likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. In other words, when it comes to good works and evil works, you're going to see some of that show up here. For the rest, you're going to see it show up on the other side. I just talked about that a few minutes ago. Okay, So it would be who... Let me tell you something. Never mind. Let me just keep on going. Okay. So repayment is paycheck. I want you to think about this, you all. You have one moment called a lifetime. It's a probationary period. 
And what you do in that one moment will determine how you live forever. And everything that you do every day, every day is being recorded, every day. And this system is very detailed. When I show it to you, like I told you, the Bible says that you get a reward just by getting somebody a cup of water. That's how detailed it is. And every day, they just recording everything, every recording everything. And then when you stand before the Lord, he's going to give you a paycheck and says, now this determines how you can live forever. Do you, and see now, this right, see this type of teaching, this makes Christianity boring no longer. Now this helps you understand, oh, I don't need a pulpit. I don't need a title. I don't need nothing. I just need to be about my father's business every single day because I don't care nothing about being recognized by some preacher if God is recognizing me. And this is the sad part, y'all, when you get your reward, it's, being, it's given in front of everybody. That's why Paul, I mean, whoever said it, John, he said, I saw the... I saw the, the dead, small and great, all standing before God, and the books were open. So when you get your reward, you got to receive this thing in front of everybody. And uh, I don't want to be sitting there, man, with my, man, you can have that, just, okay? So everyone say repayment. And that will be probably one of the most sobering moments, because at that moment, nothing can change. At that moment, you will wish you could live your life over again. At that moment, everything that you have stepped with, every, see, let me tell you something, y'all. It, it's very, very detailed. See, you know, the Bible says husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. That may not always be easy, but guess what? There's a reward for that. Okay? I know we live in a day of women liberation and y'all can, y'all, ladies in Crevital Hulk and, and all that type of stuff. And, you know, be careful with the little superhero movies, y'all. You know, one, there is a trend that I just be careful of. There's a new trend if you pay attention to it now is that women just beating up men all day long. The men are just punks. We can't fight. You know, any little frere woman can just jump on us and beat us to the ground to a pulp. No man can fight anymore. And if you're not careful, you see this in superheroes a lot. You see this with movies a lot, okay? I'm not, let, me, let me make sure I say this, because y'all are good, but somebody gonna listen to this. I am not saying that women cannot be equal to men. I'm not saying that. Women are equal to men. Now, I don't agree that a woman can do everything a man can do. And I don't agree a man can do everything a woman can do. There are some physical things that a woman just can't do. And there are some mind power, some things that some women can do, men just can't keep up with. It still amazes to me that God made Adam perfect, but still said he needed help. I, I don't understand. Well, I understand it, but he's perfect and he needs help. So, men, if we're not perfect, we sure enough need help. If the perfect one needed help. I mean, listen to what God said. I made him perfect. Only difference between Adam and God is he doesn't know evil, uh, but it's not really good for him to be alone. <laughs> and you have to get used to that. Women, do, w women are generally feelers. Men are pretty much logical. When women solve a problem, it's too many derivatives in the equation. It's too many offshoots, you know, it's too many theories in there. And, and with men, see, like women, see, if I go to him and say, hey, man, I got a problem. He said, what's the problem? I give him the problem. He said, well, here's the answer. Okay, cool. End the sound conversation. Switch this. Woman comes to him with a problem. Hey, I got a problem. What's the problem? Well, I didn't really want to tell you the problem. I just want you to listen to the problem. <laughs> but that's not logical to listen to a problem, but we don't want to solve the problem. Yeah, I just want you to feel what I'm feeling about the problem. I don't really want you to solve the problem. And so that's the frustrating between men and women, because men are naturally problem solvers. And women are naturally problem sharers. 
And sometimes they just want to share. Brothers don't like sharing problems. We like solving problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and that's the, and you have to learn that. But I had, it took me a long time to learn that. Long time. So now I just shut up and I just listen. And then when you listen too long, uh, you won't say anything? It's just, it's never ending for the guys. We just always getting hit, dude. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's the, because why? Because the woman wants you to feel her moment. I need you to feel your, we can't do that. Now, if you've been married to somebody for a while, you know, like, like now I can kind of sense certain things with my wife and um, I'm learning, but I still just miss it. Just, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all <are> funny. <laughs> okay, so, so we're talking about repayment. And uh, let me do this last one. Excuse me. Um, the last one is, then you enter into the final dimension of your life, which is forever called eternity. Revelations 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now there is a great scene at the throne where the, 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 the throne room scene in most cases is going to be a very unhappy, depressing scene because people are going to be weeping because they're going to be weeping because they realize I had chance after chance to get this right. That's what I was talking about earlier. We don't want to listen to our wives. We don't want to listen to our husbands. Children don't want to listen to their parents. You know, you know what the sad part is? I don't know why I'm going back to this. You know what the sad part is? Let me go back to this again. The sad part is for married people, you do realize that most of what your spouse is asking you to change, you should change that if you were single. Most of what your spouse is asking you to change, nobody should have to ask you to change this. Most. It's just that we are hard-headed and callous and we will give, we'll do things for everybody else that's a stranger, but we won't do it for the one that we claim we love. We stand in front of them altars, deal death to our part. No, that meant until problems start. People say it all the time, do death to our part. I mean, I, sometimes I laugh. I mean, I see people there and I, I'm going to take care of you for the rest of my life and, and I'm going to be your thunder and I'm going to be your Batman and your Superman and I'm going to be your banker and I'm going to be your protector. You ain't going to never have to warn for anything. Divorce a year later. Because <laughs> when problems show up, all that stuff is just words. It's just people being emotional at the moment. People don't know what real commitment is is real commitment is to be married to somebody who ain't acting right and you stay with them for the rest of your life that's hard let me look at the imaginary wall in case some of y'all <laughs> I don't like to look at people when I'm talking about stuff like this I'm serious it's very very hard some people can do that because they have eternity on their mind because like I said before um, in, in many cases for eternity you don't live with your spouse 
you are separated from them. Okay, you got one spouse that's full stepping and you got another spouse that's half stepping. They are not put on the same levels for eternity, folk. Remember what Jesus said? He said in heaven, you're not married and you're not given in marriage. You're like the angels. You become a different being. You're no longer married to that person in heaven. You become a different being with a glorified body that has no need for sexual relations anymore. And so, I mean, imagine being married to somebody and then for eternity, you don't see them for a billion years. Some people are like, thank God. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, as my wife said, you play too much. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, y'all. Y'all, we have been reading the Bible through the words of preachers and not through what the Bible said. And that's the, y'all, I, I, I never could understand why missionaries would leave the United States and go live in some remote part of Africa in poverty for the rest of their life. Oh, I get it completely now. Because they're like, oh, I ain't thinking about 70 years. I'm thinking about 70 billion and I haven't started yet. Y'all see that? So, so guess what? You know, some I, I, you know, circles I came from, people would, would quit their jobs and live in poverty just to pray and witness on the street. And the rest of the church would make fun of them. You're making fun of somebody that's getting the reward while you have already lost yours. You better stop making fun of people that make decisions that are outside your comfort zone. They want to quit their job and, and, and make minimum wage and live in some little shit. Watch this. I don't care if a kid does want to live with their parents for the rest of their life because they want to be sold out to the gospel. I know kids like that right now. They don't work. They live at home with their parents and they sold out as missionaries. And you make fun of them. You shouldn't be living off other people. Okay. There's nothing worse than fooling with somebody that got a greater commitment than you do. You laugh at it when actually it's you trying to make yourself feel comfortable about your lack of commitment. And we all been there. All righty. Last scripture. Mm, mm, mm. Psalm 90, verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, which is 70. Or even if by reason of strength, fourscore years, which is 80. Yet is there pride in additional years, only labor and sorrow. For it is soon gone and we fly away. And in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get us a heart of wisdom. As, as you ask of the Lord, give me wisdom so I can fulfill my days properly and fill out my days, get the most out of my day, not for me, the most out of my day for you. That's a very sobering thing. I want you to think about something, you all. See, we have been taught in planet Earth to live for ourselves, live for this life. They got something in the, the, with the kids, YOLO, you only live once. It's not true. You live twice. Okay. And so, and nobody is, it's very frustrating because now I see what my job and calling is. And that, I mean, because I, I preached this at a church and the whole church hit the altar. They couldn't even fit. I preached it at a church a few months ago. I just preached a small part of this. And the pastor was like, I have never, it was a pastor from overseas. He said, I had never heard nothing like this before in my life. Whole church came to the altar. Whole church. Because they were like, we ain't been doing nothing. And that's pretty much almost every church in the world, let alone America. Now I understand why Jesus said very few will be 
Very few will find this narrow road to life. Very few. I understand now what the scripture says when it says it'll come to pass in the last days. There will be a famine for the gospel. A shortage. You will hardly be able to go a place that's teaching the truth that Jesus would teach if he was here. We ain't talking about just reading scriptures and, you know. So I'm through. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully, honestly. I don't mean this disrespectfully. But, y'all, when I tell you, I care is not what another church is doing right now. I don't want to hear about no buildings. I don't want to hear about no conferences. I don't want to hear about no excursions. I don't want to hear about no Disneyland trips. You can have that mess. I am totally satisfied with what I'm doing because I now recognize that I don't know of another church right now that is on the right track in America. I don't know of one, and I know of you guys. I don't know of one. Buildings and, and, and people, Farrakhan can get 20,000 people to show up. People, that means nothing because 90% of the people in the planet are sheep. I could create a doctor right now, like I said before, that Jesus is coming, you know, back, you know, you know next week on an airplane made out of gold, and he's going to cut through China and run through Pakistan. It'd be people sitting in the sanctuary listening to this foolishness. People are always listening to something that you, you know, it's crazy. Okay? So, I don't know, I know I'm all over the place at the end. But, y'all, you, you're going to have to bite the bullet and, because watch this, you won't do it because of the word, and you won't do it because of the Holy Spirit. So guess what God will do? He'll use your spouse, and you don't want to hear from them. Well, my wife, years ago, said Otha, and this was just a small thing, but if I can't do it with a small thing, I can't do it with a big thing. And let me tell you how I put myself in check. This is for somebody. My wife, you know how I many, when you're married, you have these little pet peeves with each other. Well, I had this thing where I would go into the bathroom, and if there was water on the counter, I would take a piece of toilet tissue, wipe the counter down, and I'll just throw it in the toilet, and then just leave it there. Well, look, 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 look. Mm. <laughs> it's a pet peeve. So my wife would come in the bathroom, and she didn't like that. So she would say, hey, Ophel, you know, that's just a thing that perturbs me, and so, you know, just flush the toilet. So... Instead of some people that want to argue over flushing the toilet, whether or not the seat is up or whether or not the seat is down. Why would you argue over something like that? See this? Watch this. See, if the seat is up, watch my hand movement. Boom. See how easy that was? <laughs> now, if the seat is down, watch it. Y'all ready for it? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little slower. Mm, bam. Look at that. You can't even build no muscle mass with that. It's just one, two, one, two. And it's just one time. You ain't got to do it twice. Why would people argue over something like that? Go in the bathroom, let the toilet seat down, let it up. That's for somebody. Maybe. So my wife made that request. So I said, fine, no problem. So I started flushing the toilet. But how many you know bad habits don't change overnight? They can if you're serious about it. I will never forget this. This is when it never happened again. Uh, we had a two-story house at the time. I was upstairs getting dressed for work or whatever. And, um, and so it was way upstairs. We had a bathroom in our bedroom. And so did the same thing, put it in there, got dressed, went downstairs, ate breakfast, got in the car, backed out the driveway in the street. I'm in the street, and this is what the Holy Ghost says in the audible voice. What about that tissue? <laughs> it's, the tissue represents a bigger issue. The tissue represents your ability to change. And he was trying to help me change. And I had a decision. Do I keep on driving or do I go back? So that's what I did. Pulled right back in the driveway, put the car in bark, turned it off, walked all the way back upstairs, flushed the toilet. And when I did that, 
Never again have I left to a tissue in the toilet. Y'all see that? But now, I did that for my wife, never realizing that I was helping myself be a better person when it comes to bigger things. So when the scripture says for married people to submit one to another, it's much bigger than you just pleasing your spouse. It's you becoming a better person, which gives you the ability to now submit to God. Because the scripture says, if you can't love your brother who you can see, how can you love God who you can't? You would think it would be the opposite. If you can't love God, how can you love your brother? Doesn't say that. It says if you can't love your brother, how can you love God? It's what you do for the people you see that helps you with the one that you cannot see. And what you do with the people you see gives you revelation about the one that you can't see. Because the Bible says it's that which is first is natural, then spiritual. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff comes from sometimes. I just, you know, I just. Did I read the last scripture yet? Yes, I did. So based on how you are living now, this is my last question. I wrote this down. <laughs> there is a statement that most of us have said that are older. That statement is, if I knew back then what I know now, I would change some things. Some of you would not have moved to a particular state. Some of you right now wouldn't even have one of these on. Some of you would have never got married. Some of you would have never got that job. Some of you would have never talked to that person at the club. You would have never gave him your phone number. The list going, Especially when it comes to relationships. If I knew back then what I know now about money, now this is the thing that I have for you. You have a chance to not have to say that at the throne of God. Because you don't want to get to the throne of God and when you see what it's like, you don't want to say, if I only knew back then what I'm looking at now, I would have changed. Here's the problem. They already shared with you now what to do and what it's like so you can change. We all don't know what it is because the Bible is full of stuff that has not been taught. It's the stuff for eternity that is just not being taught. We trying to teach people how to get their light bill paid and, and God is going to come through and, and won't he do it and, and prosperity and, and paying off. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What the problem is is that that's the icing, that ain't the cake. And the body of Christ is focused on the cake. And this is the main reason why Christians are disconnected. There is no real truth. And then there is no freedom and no platform for the people to then be able to go and do this. Because now you go out there and you get 3,000 people saved. Now they want to shut you down. Well, you're trying to start a church. No, I'm trying to build up the kingdom of heaven. These idiots, if she get 3,000 people saved, maybe she's telling you that her gifting, she might supposed to be a pastor. We don't believe in women preachers. Well, here you go. If it wasn't for women, there wouldn't be no church. Why do you think Jesus appeared to Mary first and told her to go tell the disciples? And half of them still didn't believe. After he, watch this, he trained them for three years, not the women. He told them for three years, I'm coming back. Not the women. 
Then when he gets up from the dead, he got to go tell, uh, yeah, go tell the disciples. And they said, we don't believe that. So these guys talking about they don't believe in women preachers. Dude, these women have been preaching. Just look, just because they wasn't up here doesn't mean they wasn't preaching. Y'all know what I'm saying? We got every excuse. We the only army that got every excuse that we can't let people just war at the level that they want to war. And when they do really, really good in war, we set them down. You know why? Because you're doing better in war than I am. When the whole thing is about winning the war. Who cares not who can bring it? I hope 30,000 people come in here and can preach circles around me because it's about winning a war. It ain't about building Arthur Turnbull's kingdom. But these dudes, they didn't turn this into their own personal kingdom. And so there's a difference between building something for the Lord versus building something for yourself. When you build it for yourself, you don't want people to be free because they're going to embarrass you. When you build it for the Lord, you're just a steward. So it's obvious God ain't got no problem using crazy people. After all, you picked Tarzan to represent you when it came to your first coming. Y'all know what I mean about Tarzan. This man sitting up there in the wilderness eating grasshoppers and honey with clothes made out of camel's hair. That's why I call him Tarzan. I better stop doing that because I do realize you got to meet these people in heaven. <laughs> John the Baptist walked to me, hey man, what was, what was up with the Tarzan? <laughs> yeah, I'm dead serious. Y'all, there is a reality about heaven. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second, you all. You go up there, and every person you read about in the Bible, you meet. You're going to meet Adam. You're going to meet Eve. You're going to meet Noah. You're going to meet Abraham. I mean, all of these individuals, every question about the Bible is answered. Okay? I mean, you, you get to trace your family tree all the way back to Adam. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the place. And so because we don't do that one scripture, it says what in Colossians 3, 1 through 3? Set your sights on heaven and leave it there. Only focus on that and not the things on earth. They would never tell you to focus on that place if they didn't want to reveal to you that place fully before you die. Because Jesus said, we want you to get a full reward. There's nothing worse than standing before the throne. You want it and they want to give it, but it can't happen because of how you carried yourself on earth. Half-stepped instead of full-stepped. Okay? Let me see. Raphael, come here for a second. Saw this example. And here, come over on this side for me. And this is an excellent example. You can come on the stage for me. Hold that for me. And what I, the example was is that this is how most people look at their eternity. And that is, this is eternity and this is your life. Now, your life is actually this small. It's just this little small piece of paper. How many of you know? If you just compared 80 years to 80 billion, that's no comparison. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, let's go over on this ad. Follow me. Okay? So, so what, what, what the world believes is, is that this is your life, and then you just step into this, and whatever it is, it is. Nobody taught that this right, this small thing right here is actually connected to it. And that everything you do in this small part, it determines your eternity. So, so, you know, this is like, start stepping back a little bit, like year one, year two. You live in every single day. You live in every single week. Everything that you do in this dot is creating it. Everything you keep doing here every single day, every idle word, every thought, every action, every half step, every full step. And what you do in this small dot is creating it. And when this dot ends, what you create 
is only what you get a reward for, and you got to live that way forever. Y'all got this? So it's literally a thing where the body of Christ has to start over. Because the first thing we need to find out is, what, how does the formula work? I just read you one where they said, well, here's one part of the formula, and that is, because in the scripture, because they want you to have a full reward, they teach you in scripture what to do on purpose every day in order to get it. They want you to do this. One of the things we read is, all right, when you have Thanksgiving or you throw a party, invite folk that can't bring a dish. Invite folk that are poor. This is why I don't believe in loaning money. Because God is very, very big on helping people that can't repay you. Okay? He's very big on that. Even when he said, remember he said, he said, those who give to the poor lend to God and I will what? Repay you. And you haven't been reading the Bible that way. We've been reading, watch this, we've been reading prosperity scriptures based on us being gazillionaires and a wealth transfer, which I personally don't believe in. I know people still preach that today. There is nowhere in the Bible where I see a scripture where God is going to great, press this great big old green money button in heaven and all of this money is going to come from the sinner hands and to all other Christians. I don't think so. That don't even make sense. When God even, watch this. Why is that going to happen in planet Earth and when it comes to planet eternity, they tell you the reward system is based on what you do. Y'all see what I'm saying? So it made me feel strange, and then the Lord had to speak to me and like, no, you're not strange. It's the rest that are off. And this came to me only because of one thing. You were seeking the truth at all costs. No matter what I had to repent of, no matter what I had to change, and I learned now from Rick Joyner's book, The Final Quest, the Lord gave him a full visionary experience based on one thing. He said, Lord, I need you to judge me correctly and ruthlessly so when I stand before you, I can get a greater reward. And then the Lord gave this man a vision, and the second half of the vision was the Lord catching him up to heaven, and he was allowed to talk to preachers who had lost everything because of what I'm preaching right now. So this is the thing that you got to remember. This right here is your life. Now, this is the thing. I could, if, the, if the paper was long enough, he could walk to the edge of the planet and still not get started. What you do here is going to determine how you live here. And you're going to play with that? You're going to have step with that? You're going to make excuses about that? Not me. I'm not the one. I can't do it. Okay? And, as, and with me, there's a worse judgment. The worst judgment of all is to know it and preach it and still don't do it. Oh, you, you're the biggest fool of all because we gave the revelation to you first. And you told the people, I'm not living in a hut. And you don't even have one. You're in the homeless center. I told y'all. I'm not playing. That's one thing I told y'all before. Mm -mm, I ain't even repeating it, Jesus. I'm just. So based on how you were living now, what would happen if you could look one million years into the future and see your life? So that's, that's my last statement. I just want you to think about that for a second. God allows you to look one million years into the future, how you are living and what would you change now? This deep part. We don't know how to answer that question because we don't even know what the reward system is like. It's spelled out through the entire Bible. Like I said, it's going to take me the entire, and that's why I said, I don't have time. That's why I put though, that website up there in that video series.
because the gentleman that did that video series, I watched five of them yesterday alone. I was just sitting there like, mm, mm, mm. And he said, he started studying the Bible and he started seeing this reward system, reward system, reward system. So then he, what did I say he took, for the, I think he took three years or five years? Any of y'all remember what I said a few weeks ago? Five years. He took five years just to study the reward system. It took him that long. This is somebody who had already been to Bible school, already been saved for decades. He went back and says, uh-uh. Said he studied for five years and then he brought his case to a group of philosophers and people who had graduated from seminary school, all of that. And he said at first they wanted to argue with it. Then they realized that they had lost their own reward and they changed. And he said, for the life of me, I don't know why. He said it in the, in the first video. He said, for the life of me, I don't understand why preachers are not preaching this. It's the number one most important thing. And Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says it. It says, put your entire focus on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, everything that you do is put in the six categories, gold, silver. And I'm just like, why is nobody preaching this? And I had seen it before, but then I started studying it, and then I was like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, I done lost my reward. Now I got to first get myself together. I mean, there were things in there, and I was like, I didn't even know. And then, then it jumps. He that receives a man of God in the name of a man of God will get his reward. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will then get his reward. Because it's based on the Jesus principle. Watch this. Jesus said what? I want you to share in what? all of my glory. So if I'm going to share my glory with me, surely I'm going to share my prophets and my pastor's glory with you. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Not that we walk in anything. I'm just saying that, there, I mean, it's almost like it's an addition and a, and a multiplication and then some calculus. These are all formulas for our successful return. I'm trying to get everything. So I'm going to share with you. See, we just got about the rewards part. We haven't talked about the things that you are being proven to determine what you will do, what your work will be for you forever. What do you think I'm going to be sitting around? Y'all, let me tell you something. It's very, very boring if we're going to be just sitting around on a, on a, on a, on a heavenly choir. Oh, we're just doing that for one million years. Oh, just, uh, no, some, no, that's a beer commercial for folk that's ignorant. There's a hint. You will rule and reign with Christ. Rule and reign what? Why are the planets still empty? See, religion doesn't teach this stuff. The Bible does. You're going to rule and reign with Christ. Well, if it's just us in heaven, what are we going to be ruling and reigning over? Why is the universe expanding at the speed of light? Why are there more universes than people that exist? Like a friend of mine said. I mean, y'all, let me say something. Everything keeps repeating itself. I mean, like, I close here with a very, very deep, 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 deep moment. If we're made in the image of God and we're going to be creators, I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't God allow us in our glorified state like Jesus to start the process over again? Why wouldn't he let the scientists that are called to be scientists, okay, people are called to be scientists, not that I take it wrong, but there are men that they're called to be scientists. You know why? Because in eternity they're going to be scientists. Why wouldn't he allow you to create the habitat of your own planet. You're standing out there in the universe with Jesus and he says, all right, uh, this is your universe. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We're going to start this over. Boom. You create. Boom. Now, we were supposed to do this with Adam, but he messed up in the garden. <laughs> we were going to move him to outer space. He stands in front of there. You got, watch this. You got to create your own habitat, your own planetary system, your own rotational axis, your own sun, your own moon, your own plants, your own animals. You got to create that all. Watch this. 
then you got to create your own being. Y'all, that's not religious, but that's the Bible. Y'all, you got to ask yourself, what in the world are we going to be doing for 